What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here with us for the first time, please stand. What a beautiful family. Glad you're here. How's your daddy like that new farm? He growing things good, doing things right? Yes. I don't like grandma. Grandma smells like Korea. Yeah. What about grandma smell? We're going to die here. We'll think about it for them. We'll see if we'll see if something happens to them. We need to find water somewhere. If that soil ain't wet, we're gonna lose the crop. world of podcasting there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality based on a passion for his guests their work and his love of podcasting Derek thomas and monday morning critic podcast get amazing diverse unique guests found nowhere else the variety and quality are endless there is something for everyone Derek thomas is the hero you deserve he's a silent guardian a watchful protector welcome to monday morning critic podcast here is Derek Thomas. Lachlan Milne is a gifted cinematographer whose absolutely breathtaking work includes Stranger Things, Hunt for the Wilder People, and the fabulous Minari. Lachlan, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. It's great to be here. So um, you come from, I, I want to say that you, the town you came from correctly. Is it Adelaide? Is that correct? Adelaide. No, it's close. Um, Adelaide, yeah, which is the capital capital city of South Australia. That's where I was born anyway. Yeah, so how long do you spend there before you end up making your way to Sydney? I think I was there... I was there until I was... I think it was... I was either 12 or 13, something like that. I feel like maybe it was 13, but but we came up to Sydney for... um, uh, for my dad's work, which interestingly enough was in the film industry. So he wanted to be, wanted to try his hand at, at a slightly larger pool um, as far as the market went in Sydney compared to that in Adelaide. So, so yeah, all my formative years, I guess, were in Sydney. You know, and I've said this before, it's unbelievable, and I, I am not exaggerating, where I feel like of all the cinematographers I've ever had, I feel like 85 to 90% come from Australia or New Zealand. I, I swear, I feel like that's the case. I, I don't know if it's something in the water, if it's the, I don't know what it is, but it, it's a pretty remarkable number. And I, 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 yeah, I believe that. You know, and I don't know what it is because like, and everyone has like a different path. So we're going to get to your path, which is an amazing one. And every, it's not like somebody, it's not like people are going through the same type of school or, or you know, everyone has mm-hmm. their own way. And it's just, it's just, Definitely. The, yeah, the way it works out is pretty amazing. Uh, you mentioned your dad, dad's into documentaries. Mom is an editor, cinematographer. Um, 
you know, in the early days when you're on set with dad, what did you learn? It's kind of a two part question. What did you learn about the industry? Mm-hmm. What did you learn about the industry? Most importantly, what did you learn about your dad? Um, when I was growing up, it was kind of dad's work. And then eventually I realized it was a film set. Um, the, the, my biggest takeaway from that time was how much I liked the people because they were so diverse and so interesting. You know, there were, there were rat bags and reprobates, but, um, but everybody had a genuinely lovely approach to, um, to what they did and, and had all had very diverse outlooks on life. And admittedly, I wasn't that philanthropic about anything when I was eight, but I do remember, I, I remember how diverse everything was and how much everybody put into what they did because everybody essentially seemed to really genuinely love their job. And um, I don't know whether or not it was that specifically or just the fact that it's it's so interesting and, and, and ever-changing, but, um, but that was one of the things that always lured me to it. As far as getting to know my dad at, at work, I guess I didn't um, – I was kind of like the boss's son, right? So <laughs> like you kind of get like a particular kind of treatment that only the boss's son will get. So I do take their, their, their niceties towards me with a grain of salt, but, but I do remember them being – uh, being very lovely towards me, but it was, uh, you know, it was interesting to see how that, you know, even though the filmmaking industry is such a collaborative process, there still is sort of like an, an element of dictatorship about, about the process. And there kind of has to be a hierarchy in order that's, you know, in, in a sense, it's ultimately one person has to be responsible for everything or else the water gets too muddy. So that was interesting watching my old man kind of command a space in that kind of a way. And, um, it did teach me a lot about, you know, values, I suppose. And, um, uh, and you know, and respect for yourself and respect for other people, I guess. Oh, that's really well said. And, and before I get to your path, you know, there's something I did want to throw in there. I've heard you on multiple interviews give a piece of advice that I find as a podcaster that I can use, and, and I'm going to start using it because it's basically for those listening, it's a um, don't compare yourself to others because it, it mm-hmm. doesn't do you any. Because I find personally um, that, uh, Lachlan, that, it, that it, it, it's, it's a descent into madness. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. you're, you, you, it's you know, the snake that eats its own tail. Yes. Yeah, you yes. Can up into a ladder there and, and talk yourself into or out of just about anything based on those around you and their levels of success compared to yours. It's just not worth it. Is that something that you had to learn on your own or is it something that, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, it, it definitely it, was. I used to do that a lot when I was younger. Um, because, I, I don't think anybody can have a sense of entitlement about anything. I think everything has to be earned or deserved. Particularly, and I think that you'll do your best work, and people will respect you more. Um, uh, but yeah, I remember remember specifically growing up in, a, in Australia because I was, you know, growing up in a pool of like amazing cinematographers. You know, there was there was me and Greg Frazier and Adam Arkapor and you know, lots of us working with similar people at the same time. Um, and I remember. Um, I guess being envious at times and thinking that, you know, all, all you need is all I needed was that one shot and just to show everybody I could do it and then I'd be away. But, um, but eventually, yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably the most beneficial piece of advice. If, you know, if anybody's interested in listening to anything I say, they're like, particularly when you go along in this path is, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's something to really hold on to because you can, you can definitely eat yourself alive really quickly if you want to. Yeah, that, that, that's really well said and something that really hit home with me. Um, you know, you attend, but don't finish your BFA. I hope I have that part right. Uh, and I think yes. you, were, you were rejected at film school at 20. Is that correct too, Lachlan? Yeah, I was either 20 or 21 or something like that. Yeah. So is there it was a-, a really weird situation, so I did, which I didn't really understand because they're like, your work, you don't have enough work on your reel. And I thought, well, isn't that the whole point of going to film school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it was like this ultimate catch twenty two situation that I didn't know how to get out of. It's like you need the work to get the real, but you need the real to get the work. Yeah, right, right. So is there a part? So how of does you, that go down? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you don't strike me as this kind of person, but is there a part of you that 
when you look at what you've accomplished that wants to, I, I don't want to say stick it to people because that's too blunt, but is there a part of you that's like, you know, here I am. Um, is there any part of that that exists? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Like I'm still very grateful and there's still a lot to learn and there's, I, I still think I've got a hell of a lot to do. You yeah. Know? Um, so, so no, I don't think so. Cause you know, it's like, I don't think it's worth carrying around a chip on your shoulder like that. Um, just to like, you know, stick it to the man at the end and prove them wrong. I just think you can do that humbly in your own way without acknowledging that. And people may take it or may not, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. No, short answer is no. And, and I guess I could probably be contribute to your, um, uh, that, that could go along with your advice of, of uh, not comparing yourself to others. It's kind of in that same vein, right? That, 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 that it comes from an angry place, I guess. Right. To, 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 to have, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely. And there's resentment and you know, there's, there's something that, yeah, you have to let that stuff go. Um, uh, just for your own mental health and you know your general health and well-being. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have this this um, you start off at becoming a camera assistant. It's funny because I did an interview before this one, and the actor was talking about how he did would do anything, extra work, or read voluntarily for a theater pr- production. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of I, I feel like the path you went down, right? Camera assistant. Yep. Um, Talk a little bit early on because you know what you. A lot of people said, "Oh, I'm rejected from film school. It didn't work out for me." And that's it. Yeah, yeah that's it's it. Going to work. Yeah. yeah, but 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 thankfully, there are people like you that are resilient. And just talk a little about the the, the what you just what Plan B looked like for you. I guess I guess because I, I didn't really have a Plan B. All I knew what I wanted to do was be a cinematographer, and so I just had to find a way to do it. Um, but, but it's like when people do ask me every now and then, it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a film student and I, you know, I, what, what advice do you have? And, you know, this didn't work out. It's essentially the same conversation that we're having now. I just say, it's like, it, it, the film industry is such a sifting process in the sense that it really like, depending on how far you want to go, it really does, um, come down to your own, um, perseverance. Um, and there's always another way to get there. There's not, there's not a right or a wrong. It's not a mathematical equation. For anybody, regardless of being an actor or a director or a cinematographer, there are there are multiple avenues, and it just comes down to your own um, determination, and resilience, and passion, I guess, um, and just and trying to not change your mind along along the way and staying the course despite setbacks. I mean, it's the same for like you know any professional sports person or anything like that. It's it's all there's such a mental um, component to um, to what can be a really difficult industry to get into, particularly now because there's such um, high demand and high interest in it. And filmmaking is so accessible now. You know, like when I started, it was all film and, um, it, you know, there were hard costs if you wanted to shoot something on your own, um, whereas now um, it's much easier to get a very good quality image um, for a relatively inexpensive price and edit it on your laptop or your friend's laptop or whatever it is. Um, so as far as getting off your own back and creating your own content, it's much easier now than I think it was when I, when I was starting out. But, um, but yeah, it's, I think if you get knocked down, it's like you just, I personally think that there are always, there are always options. You always have options. Yeah. And the easiest way would be to just stay down versus what you did, get up and, you know, just keep going forward and just keep pursuing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well yeah. said. Um, so, you know, one of the things I also read about you and I, and you strike me as this type of person was you're, you're not afraid or you, as you go along, even today, I would suppose you're not afraid to ask for help, right? Because with some people, mm-hmm. I feel like their pride, their pride gets in the way. They don't want to sound like they're, they don't know what they're doing. So they don't ask for help when it's actually the worst thing they could probably do. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, I, um, I'm a firm believer in that. I just don't, 
yeah, you know, I don't think there's any point in fearing knowledge and, and putting your hands up when you don't necessarily know that. And I, I, I'm sure I've said this before that that's why you need to try and surround yourself with people that are better than you as well, because mm. those are the ones that are going to, um, uh, that you're going to lean on when all of a sudden you come to a situation that perhaps you haven't come across before and you don't have, uh, a way out of it. And then you can ask their opinion. And I think the most dangerous thing is, is pretending you know something when you don't. Because it's it's like kind of living a lie, and you just I think you trip yourself up very easily. And I I, I have much more respect respect for people that that put their hand up than those that don't and kind of like bluff their way through it and, and hope that it works out. Yeah, that, because that, um, especially in a filmmaking sense, I think you can just come undone very easily. Yeah, and you put yourself in a tough situation. I, I would agree. And, and earlier, you mentioned that your parents are both in the field. Um, how does that work, right? So, 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 do they give you compliments? To, um, uh, assuming both of your parents are still with us, I'm, I, I don't know what the yes, case, they that, are, but, but they are, but they, they don't. Uh, they got out of the film industry. My mum very early on, and then she became a drama teacher. Yeah, um, and my my dad got out when I was maybe sixteen or so. We moved up to Sydney, and um, uh, he moved into into you know uh, Microsoft and the and the embryonic days of the internet. So he kind of had a complete, like he went like super corporate and went completely away from the film industry because it eventually gave him the shits because he got sick of not having a <laughs> paycheck at the end of each week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do they offer like compliments, suggestions? Because they, you know, granted they went to, their, they, they, they got out of the field, but they still, you know, know their, I would assume know their stuff, you know, do they ask, hmm. do, do they offer you suggestions or compliments when they look at your projects? Is, is there something that they tell you? Well, what's that rapport like? Um, I don't, I, I speak every now and then with my old man about stuff like that, but, um, uh, I'm on the road so much and I'm so like our, my schedules are so out of whack that I, um, I tend to, we tend to be ships in the night a little bit these days, but, um, but I definitely speak to my mum a lot. She's, she's very complimentary, um, uh, which is very, it's lovely. It's very sweet actually. So, um, but, uh, not so much with my old man anymore because, um, he's just kind of doing his own thing and so am I, but, um, but yeah, when I first started, there was definitely a lot of advice, but, um, I guess it's, uh, you know, a lot of men and, you know, men and fathers have t- different attitudes towards how much advice from their father they're willing to take. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I was maybe just a little bit more stubborn than I should have been or could have been or whatever. But, but yeah, every now and then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get to some of your work professionally, which is for me, I, a breathtaking is an accurate word for me. Um, so let me ask you. So professionally, you're, you're clearly invested in your work. But what about as a viewer? I don't want to say fan because that takes the professional part out of it. No, like, I think that that's fine. Okay, you have to love movies to make movies. Uh, yeah, are, are you are you ever invested in a uh, uh, a character, a scene, almost to the point where you almost have to r- not realize where you are? That's over the top, but you know you're so invested in what you're seeing because I mentioned your projects at the beginning. I mean, those are some pretty profound projects with some wonderful actors and directors mm-hmm. attached to those. So are there moments like that for you? I mean, where you're like, Jesus, it's pretty spectacular. Absolutely. You sort of pinch yourself and you, yeah, I remember when I first started shooting stranger things, it took me about two weeks to stop smiling. <laughs> I, I kind of had like this imposter vibe about it as well. It's like, what am I doing here? How did, how did all this work out? Um, I've never done a television show before and now I'm doing the biggest TV show in the world. You know, how does that work? Um, but, um, but no, I don't, that's the thing. It's like, I don't think you can ever take anything for granted. And I do, I, yeah, I'm a lover of, of films and a lover of the filmmaking process. So it's never, it's never lost on me, especially coming from where I come from in, in our part of the world. Uh, you know, it's always been, um, you know, it's always been a dream of me to, to, to work on larger scale, 
um, projects that I personally would like to go and see as a as a filmmaker. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Rather absolutely. than just like something big for big sake. That's why I kind of like I'm always I'm always interested in doing a combination of you know like indie films and maybe some larger product um, studio projects and and just keeping it keeping it as diverse as possible because there's always something that you learn out of each project. But but um but yeah, it's, you know like I'm I'm shooting. I always operate a camera as well, with the exception of Stranger Things, just because it's so big and there are so many logistics to do. Um, but um, uh, the last film I did with Taika um, was starring Michael Fassbender, and so I was operating a camera with Michael Fassbender, who's arguably one of the greatest actors of his generation, whom I've been a huge fan of for such a long time. And uh, and uh, yeah, I, yeah. So yeah, I definitely have moments of. of fandom I, I suppose for sure definitely yeah I, I, I want to touch on that to come back to this so you're talking about for those listening next goal wins which is a it was based on a documentary true story about american samoa worst uh world cup loss in history to australia mm-hmm. 31 nothing yeah. uh, what can you say about that you mentioned the great actors that are in it um what mm-hmm. can you say about this movie is it because i'm trying to picture taika on how he would approach this is it a comedy mm-hmm. is it uh is it a feel-good story because it was it was done before COVID hit us, right? If I, if I have that correct. I think correct. The, yeah, we shot that in Hawaii at the end of 2019. Okay. And, yeah. and are, what are you allowed to say about that as far as what kind of movie it is? Or, 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 sure. I, I'm not – probably not I, – I, well, I know I'm not allowed to say very much at the moment, but um, it is – I mean, the, the, one of the – Taika's great attribute, um, I think, is his ability to, to balance happy-sad, you know, and that's what, one of the things I love about almost all of his movies is there's there's tonally something serious but it's but it's approached in a light-hearted comical way and his ability to um to bounce between the two within the arc of a film i think is is almost unparalleled with a lot of other directors working at the moment mm. so there's i guess there's a little bit of that but it's um i wish i could tell you more i'm, I'm nervous to tell you more no but, don't um, don't, don't say anything but yeah. I, I get that you, <laughs> it's one it's wonderful i've seen an offline of it um and it's great and um, it's it, it's really really enjoyable. Yeah, and you mentioned your eclectic uh, filmography, which you were which you absolutely nailed. Um, let me ask you: so your rapport with directors seems to be very positive with with all your projects. But are there situations where your vision might be a little bit different than the director's? Because I I feel like you put the relationship with the director at the top of your list. I get that. But are there situations mm-hmm. where like as you know with your vision and your cinematography and all the great work you've done, and is there a disagreement ever on on what the vision should be? I mean, obviously the director would take precedent, but I would sure. think I would think if I bring you onto my film, I say, you know what, you have the vision here. Take the reins and do what you have to do. I mean, obviously, I would have input, but um, mm-hmm. what happens in that case, um, Lachlan, with that type of um, I don't want to say disagreement, but different yeah. ideas for a vision? Well, it's I guess I used that quote mathematical equation before. It's like I feel like that with with how you cover a scene as well. It's like it's it's completely subjective, um, and so I. I I, I talk a lot with the directors about the, you know, the tone of the scene and whose scene is it is a couple of things I sort of ask about as well. And I make a lot of notes in the script when we're going through about what I think the language of that scene is, you know, like, and I'll pitch ideas. It's like, I feel like this should be one shot because we keep this argument or whatever it is live and people step over each other's lines and it's messy and it feels more observed. Or it might be, we've just come out of an action sequence. So this should be, um, more static and um you know we should we should try and calm everything down a little bit again or vice versa or it should be handheld or something but but if a director says no no no, i think this should be on a crane for whatever reason then i'll ask them why do you think that is and then they'll explain it to me and, and nine and a half times out of ten i'll go okay that makes sense and i see why they're doing it 
Um, mm. And then that'll be absolutely fine. So it's not like I'll, you know, you know, throw my toys out of the pram and kick and scream or anything like that. It's like, because it you have to have a dialogue with, um, with directors. And um, the more I do this, to your point, the more people um, like the way that I approach things, because it's always from a story side of things. And that's always the most interesting and important thing for me. And um, so, no, I haven't had any of those moments really. Um, the only thing I don't like doing is over covering scenes. Mm. But, um, you know, just, <clears throat> you know, I have this big, this thing that I'd say sometimes, which is if you don't shoot it, you can't use it. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's for me is like a, it's a way to kind of control the pacing of scenes and films. Uh, if you want them to feel more single camera or more languid or, or vice versa, if it's an action sequence, you tend to throw a bunch of cameras at it and you cut it within an inch of its life to give it the energy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, so I don't, I te- you know what, I guess I also don't really, I tend not to gravitate towards people who are really dictatorial about how it's going to go. Cause I, like I was, I say to directors, um, on the first call, it's like, I'll be as collaborative with you as you want me to be. You know, like if you, if, if you're, if you want me to, to talk about, you know, performance or, um, you know, staging and blocking, obviously all that sort of stuff with the clear knowledge that I don't want to do their job nor do I want to take it. You know, they will always be the director, but there's, there's, does that make sense? It's like, I, I want them to feel comfortable with asking me or, or for, you know, it's the same with them with lighting and camera operating and all that sort of stuff. I want it to be as reciprocal as possible and not a dictatorship if, if they're cool with that. Yeah. And it's a tool. So I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes or anything, but I just want to be clear that I will, I will put as much of this into it as they want me to. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. And, and I want to touch upon a few things in your filmography. I really love it. Um, why did they use for Stranger Things season three? The last two episodes are absolutely phenomenal. Um, why did they use two cinematographers that season? Is there a reason? Like, I, I, I don't understand. Is it just, yeah. is no, it- it's because it's so big because yeah. the way that it works is, um, you tend to, you block shoot things, but so it was me and Tim Ives like in season three. And, uh, it's literally, there would be, cause I would work with other directors and those off blocks as well. So, um, it, you're kind of prepping and shooting, prepping and shooting the whole time. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the only way that that really works is if you change the director, the first AD and the DP. It's, so it's the same production designer, same set deck, same, same camera operator, same grips, same gaffs, and, you know, et cetera. Gotcha. But, um, but it's like, so block one, like Tim would be shooting episodes one and two, um, while I would be prepping with Sean Levy, um, and Tudor Jones, the first AD, uh, block two, which was episode three and four, which had like its own level of complexity, you know, like one, one episode pretty much happens during, at night during, uh, an electrical storm. So with that comes, you know, all the logistics of, you know, um, rain towers and lightning and all that sort of stuff, which if I was shooting at the same time, it would just be impossible to be able to have those meetings and do those location scouts, et cetera. So that's why they do it that way. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Just, just to keep the production rolling. Yeah. Um, rather yeah. than having to stop and prep and then shoot, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. And, and I'm sure there are many things with this next question, but if you had to just one, um, tell me one thing that you really love about what the Duffer brothers do. Just one thing that's great about working for them. I, I, and I'm sure there's many. Sure. They, um, they really, they know the genre so well and they, they love, they just love that, that style of filmmaking in that era of, you know, John Carpenter-esque, um, movie making. Um, they just, they're just like hundred percent in it. Um, yeah. and I do love how they, um, there's, they really push like the element of nostalgia with the show. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, like, um, train spotting moments in there with a lot of, you know, um, subtle, you know, tips of the cap to, um, to other movies, whether it be through characters, you know, casting or 
locations and stuff like that. But um, they're uh, they're very they're very good at moving the camera, um, which was really interesting for me. I didn't realize how good they were until we started working together about designing really really intricate um, uh, fifty foot techno crane shots, which we had like literally almost every day. Um, we'd have a fifty foot there just designing and handing off to people and, and linking shots. Um, which I really like, mm. so that they're, they're really good at developing shots. I think. Yeah, and, and speaking of developing shots, really creative shot you had uh, was asking David Arbor to use a flashlight as the only source of light. Is that? Oh yeah. Is yeah. that a? Is that boy? That's a. Is that? Would you consider that a risky move, or is that something that was calculated and you and, and you really kind of saw the end of that and how that could play out? It was a massive risk, um, and I had to redesign the flashlight because I knew that I had to get a certain amount of output from it if i was going to solely rely on it yeah. but also it's one of the it was so like counterintuitive to how i like to work because i was really which i'm so i was so rarely in with that because i was really kind of prescriptive about how i needed him to to act really in that scene in order to illuminate himself and show us the room which i don't like doing because i like to give actors as much freedom as possible but he was really great with it um and then it led to that happy accident which was the shadow of the gun on the door when he cocks it and all that sort of stuff which was really fun. But, um, yeah, it was a massive risk. You know, I had the Steadicam operator wrapped in muslin as well. So whenever he'd flash up towards the lens, he would get a bit of a bounce back on him so that I, I could I could see him a little bit. But it's one of those scenes where it's like you're underground in a place that has no power um, in the story. So it's like where is the light coming from? And I, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, and very- I always kind of like, like to know where it's coming from for it to help make sense to me as an audience member. So that was a that was a tricky one. I remember having a lot of – discussions with my gaffer about that and and um then crossing my fingers when we shot it very very creative very excited for season four i have to tell you um i, I want to touch on, on on hunt for the wilder people at i mean from this beautiful when the movie opens you see this beautiful landscape unfold to a just an absolutely insane car chase scene uh i i absolutely adore this movie uh, what makes Taika a little bit? What makes Taika a little bit different, in my opinion, is there's not somebody that's a director that can act as good as he can. I think Ben Affleck might be in that. Clint Eastwood might be there, but there's not many others, right? He 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 gets it from he gets it from both points. Uh, what and I I kind of asked you the same thing with the Duffers. What's one thing you really love about about Taika? Um, I I think he's a really smart filmmaker, and I think that his approach to stories is. Um, uh, is unlike most other directors working at the moment. Um, and like the biggest thing that like Hunt for Wilder People taught me a lot about making a film for an audience uh, in a way that I hadn't really noticed before in the pro- some of the projects that I've done, you know, because it was sometimes it's like to be, you know, smaller and art house and creative. It's kind of mutually exclusive with being um, accessible to a large amount of people, if that makes sense. But yeah. he has this ability – to be able to, and I don't want to say commercial or anything like that, but it's like, I just think in, in the way that, you know, things like Pixar films do, they make them kind of cross generational so that, you know, a six is 16 and a 60 year old can, can all equally get something out of the movie um, <laughs> on different levels. You know, I think he's brilliant at doing that. Yeah. Um, and Hunt for the World People was one of those films that it really taught me a lot about, um, uh, about, you know, like pure enjoyment cinema. But, but again, it's like that whole balance of happy, sad, you know, yeah, like I was a, just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, it's yeah. like it's there's serious undertones to that film, but it's done in such um, such a lighthearted, also educational and endearing way that um uh, that that he's just exceptional at. I think. 
Listen, I mean, in Jojo Rabbit, there's not many people that can make Hitler's yeah. relationship. You know, it just that's Taika right. for you. He just like, doesn't. nobody like nobody would touch that with a barge pole except for him, and he pulls it off. Right, like, he he's t- a half. <laughs> he's a half Jewish, half Maori yeah. Hitler. <laughs> it, 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 he was on Jimmy Kimmel once, and, and they were talking Lachlan about what that pitch meeting must have sounded like. And you know, I, you know oh, Hitler's. Yeah. The, so um, yeah, you know, and I wanted to say um, we talk about you know, um, I told you, I asked you if you know you got invested into moments with, with your beautiful camera work i gotta i gotta think that julian dennison is funny as hell mm-hmm. it's tough to it's tough to maintain your composure on him because what yeah. a talented talented now older actor but, but but young actor at the time yeah he was great wasn't he he was only 11 when we shot that film as well he was just a kid um and he hadn't done i think maybe he'd done one other film before and he's also working with sam neill oh um, legend absolute legend yeah yeah. yeah, and so um, and it was the two of them most of the time in the bush shooting in you know, New Zealand in a in a really cold time of year where we didn't have much sunlight and there was a lot of time constraints and logistics and all that sort of stuff. But um, he was great. That's the only time when I do I get nervous about operating is when it's really funny and I know that that's why I just have to lock the camera off because I know I'm laughing or I'm trying not to break. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Michael Fassbender came up to me at the end of um. Uh, uh, what was it? Next goal wins, and yeah, you know, we had a hug and all that sort of stuff. And he said it was a great pleasure working. And he's like, "Oh, uh, Lockie, I knew it was funny when you were laughing." I'm like, "Oh God, I was trying to hide that the whole time, but obviously, it was it wasn't doing a good job of it." <laughs> yeah, that, that that's great. And you, you know, um, the fact that Taika keeps bringing you back, like that he brought you back, that's got to be the ultimate compliment as a cinematographer, right? The fact that he wants you back, you know, what I'm saying like that's that's got to mean the world to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. And, you know, we've, we've become really good friends over the years as well. Um, uh, and I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of time for him. We do keep in touch a lot. And I went, when I was, um, when he was shooting Thor in Sydney, I just came back from doing Stranger Things and I went to set to see him. And I knew a lot of, I'd done films with a lot of people on the crew because I wanted to go and um, just have a look. But it's, yeah, he's a, he's a lovely guy. And I'm so pleased and happy for him that he's getting all the success and accolades that he is now. In, in, but, a situ- uh, in a situation like that where you're visiting a set, does he ever? Does anybody ever pick your brain like that? Like, I mean, granted, you're not in a quote unquote official part of the film, you know, the film. But mm-hmm. are, is your brain? I would assume because you're very gifted at what you do, your your brain must be picked once in a while. What would you do here? What do you think of this? Does that ever happen, or is it more of a just a casual? Hey, how are you? I'm just here to look. I, it's always very unusual going to a set that isn't yours. Yeah, I feel like that anyway because, and I'm very respectful and mindful of that. So. I kind of tend to hide in the shadows a little bit and, and, you know, pull people aside in the dark and say hello and, you know, or whatever, rather than, you know, come in shooting into the air and announce my arrival to the set, you know, <laughs> because I know that it's, it's not, it's not my show. And, um, and I'm very respectful of the DP and et cetera, because, um, because yeah, it's almost, there's a very unusual feeling, um, because you feel like you're not supposed to be there. Um, but no, but so no, I tend to be pretty discreet when I do that, but it is also really great to watch other people work. That's what I used to love about being an assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. With so many different DPs and different gaffers and like look at different relationships and see how people might approach the same thing differently. And that's, um, all, um, knowledge and information that you can use in your own work. So, um, so I, I find that really interesting, even though it's a bit awkward at times. I do love, I do like it. So, so two weeks ago, my wife and I sit down to watch this incredible movie called Minari, and it took me a while to watch it. Um, we have a newborn, a lot of reasons, but I got to tell you, before we even get to the script and the words, the images in this movie had me in tears, and I'm not trying to sound over the top. Uh, I'm being very honest and genuine here. The images in that movie, they have you in tears because it's almost like they speak for 
what's going on. I, am I being ridiculously over the top? Because uh, that's how I feel. You to say that, and it, it fills me with gladness to hear you say that because I, I love I love everything about that movie. I'm the, I love the the process. The collaboration with Isaac was up there with you know the best direct one of the best director DP relationships I've had. Stephen Yoon is wonderful. The cast is exceptional. Um, you know Christina O oh from Plan B. Like it, it was just like a lightning in a bottle kind of a moment. You know, it was like a tiny film with. Um, uh, a lot of an unknown cast, particularly in, in North America, obviously with the exception of someone like Steven. Um, but um, uh, it was it was hot, it was difficult, it was undercrewed, it was, you know, everything about it. But there was just such a core group of really dedicated, good human beings who wanted to do the best thing that they could with what they had. So, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I love everything about that movie, um, but it's very kind of you to say that. Yeah, and we what, talked about a, a lot. Isaac and I talked a lot about. Um, I wanted to shoot the film as wide as possible because the cast was so good, um, and just to make it feel a bit bigger because you know so much of that film, as you know, goes down in the trailer, and just to try and keep that interesting and, and make it feel, you know, like these people are doing the best that they can as well, and not necessarily you know play into um, it being tiny and cramped all the time. But th- there's a sense of you know homeliness and pride about how that's setting up their existence there, particularly from like from the point of view of Yeri's character. Yeah. But yeah. um we really wanted to cover everything in the least amount of coverage as possible. And um and really hold shots again, like to think about it from like an editorial pacing side of things, but but just to not get too filmmaking and be as simple as we could because everything else was was there for us in front of the camera. Yeah, and the movie feels just you mentioned, you know, the struggles with, you know, that you guys had, but it just feels so authentic and real. I think that goes into it. Uh, you know, many you mentioned your wide shots and, and and I had this question for you. It's like the first question I wanted to ask you uh when we mm-hmm. we, we, we we talked to each other. Um, you know, there's a scene where, where the kids follow the grandmother many times, th- those wide pan scenes where the grass mm-hmm. is taller. It really reminded me of the scene in Shawshank, uh, where Morgan Freeman is walking in the tall grass after the tree and Roger Deakins kind of pans back. Oh, yeah. You see the bugs, you see the tall grass. It just kept taking me back there. It's just some of the most beautiful yeah. scenes I've seen. And uh, kudos to you, my friend. Uh, it's just, just a really beautifully oh, shot movie. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. That's very kind of you to say. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask you. So I've asked you about the other directors uh, and it sounds like uh, Lee's right up there. One great thing about mm-hmm. working, for, one great thing about your relationship and rapport with Lee uh, was we were making the same movie, you mm-hmm. know, and we rarely, we rarely disagreed on things, um, at all. And we, it was great because we kind of got on automatic pilot, um, towards the end. Cause we kind of read each other so well, because he, he could just, he was all about performance and actors. And then I would just shoot that for him, you know? So he wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily thinking about that side of things, which I also really like because then, um, the directors got their head in the performance, which is in everybody's interests, um, you know, because that will make the film film better if, he's, if he or she isn't focused too much on on what I'm doing because there's an understanding there that um, uh, our discussion doesn't doesn't need to be had because we're aware of, you know, the style of the movie that we're making then. I think it's it's much better for them. I personally like to be able to give them the freedom that they don't have to worry about that so much. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. And we, you know, we spent four weeks in pre pre together looking across a table, making notes and breaking down scenes, which is, which is wonderful. It's it's funny, you know, like the bigger films you get um, to do, the less time, a a lot of the time you get 
access to the directors, so it's harder to do that sometimes. Yeah. But um, so that was in the in um to, to the benefit of the film as well. That was that was great having that time together before we started shooting. Yeah, you know, and you and you had an interview you did with uh, I can't remember it was uh, it was within the year. Someone someone asked you uh, about being an Australian working on a you know a Korean speaking movie with Korean Americans on it. But to mm-hmm. me, to me, it would seem like the the concept of family struggle, poverty are universal, right? So I feel like, because when, yeah. when, when I'm watching this family, like I, I'm thinking of them as my own family. You're cheering for this family every step of the mm. way. Yeah, you um, don't want anything bad to happen to them because uh, because there seems like there's so much fundamental love there. All you want is for them to succeed in whatever they're doing. Yes, and you could tell the burden of, of what the grandmother is trying to do. Who won, you won an Academy Award, uh, Stephen, nom- mm. first first Asian American nominated for Best Actor, amazing accomplishments. Right? But, yeah, but it's like I, I feel like what a team you 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 made because I feel like and the cast in the writing it just because those listening it's it's loosely based on Lee's life um but but you see this this poverty like you're cheering for this family every step of the way and it's just mm. you, you you when they're going through pain you feel it whether it's the son's heart condition or the, the struggle the father's going through or the mm. what the grandmother's trying to bring to the table as creative as she was my god uh it mm. just works so well for so many reasons mm. it really does doesn't it yeah uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd change anything about that. I think it's, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and it's the, op- it's the idea that, you know, we get back to opportunity in the United States and what it should be like. And, and, and I don't know, I just, I, again, I don't want to sound repetitive, but that the movie really felt authentic and it had a pain attached to it that, um, that, that I think people go through on a daily basis. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Oh no, it's wonderful to hear you say that. Uh, just a few more questions before I let you go. Thank you so much for all your time. I cannot leave out Love yep. and Monsters. There's some visually oh, stunning yeah. mountaintop. I mean, this, there's some scenes in this movie that cannot go left unsaid. Um, um, how do you like um, – you mentioned the eclecticness of your of your filmography, and I totally agree. You're not just doing one type of movie. You're doing a lot of different things. Uh, is a movie like this – um, when you compare it to say like a Minari, is it, is it more pressure, less pressure, a different type of pressure? It was bigger. It was definitely bigger. Yeah. Um, it was a lot bigger. Um, it was a studio film. Um, you know, it was a Paramount film. It was in the multiple tens of millions of dollars and, uh, we shot it in Queensland for 40 something days, I think, or something like that with a lot of big studio bills. The wonderful Dan Henner was the production designer on that, which is great. Who I loved working with, um, so there was a lot. There was a lot more logistical pre-production stuff, you know, like plotting, lighting plans for set builds and all that sort of stuff, which I do love. I mean, that's a, just a, that's why I like doing doing multiple genres and multiple scale projects as well, because there's there's only there's it opens up certain elements to your job that other projects don't. So I find that really interesting. But as far as pressure went, I don't know. I just I think there's pressure on everything that you do, regardless of how big or small it is. If you if you value the work that you do and you want it to be as good as possible. Do you know what I mean? I know yeah. Maybe that sounds a little dismissive, but I didn't feel like I was more under the cosh because I was I was confident I could pull it. And I'd just come off Stranger Things as well too, um, which was enormous. Um, so um, I felt like we were going to be okay. But I And I also managed to get to work with a lot of people that I knew because it was in Australia. So I got a lot of crew members that I liked a lot and, and I knew that they were exceptionally talented at their, um, uh, at their jobs. So I felt really well supported there as well. And, you know, the wonderful Dan Cohen, who was the lead producer on it, who I'd met on Stranger Things, um, was there, and, and um, we all shared a very similar approach to ha- the kind of movie we wanted to make, which is, I think is just the, like fundamentally the most critical 
thing is that everybody's on the same page and you don't get, you know, three days in and go, oh, actually, I thought we were making a thriller. And somebody says, no, this is a romantic comedy, Do you know? Yeah. So, um, but uh, so so that's that's always the most important thing that we're all clear on what we want to do. But yeah, yeah it was fun as hell doing that movie. Yeah. And stuff, and I, I, stuff you only get to do on movies like that. And I feel like I had to watch it twice because I felt like it, I, the first time it's just visually stunning. Like it's a really good looking movie. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. Great job there, too. Um, my last question for you is, um, are, is there any difference? And this is really an elementary question, but I'm curious. Is there any difference between shooting kids versus adults? You know, because a lot of your movies, there's, yeah, a, there's, sure. a, there's a balance of both. So uh, I guess you would have to be good with the, with kids to, to get them to do what you want them. You know, a good again, a good, healthy working rapport relationship. Yeah. That's also one of the reasons why I, I really insist on operating, especially if there's kids, because I've done it quite a bit now. Um, and the biggest thing you can do to um, to muck up shooting a scene with kids is to put too many limitations on them. Right. Like as far as – and I think I've said this before. It's like as far as um, lighting goes and framing and et cetera. It's like just make sure that you give them as much room to move around there as possible because you've got to remember that they're kids. And the more you try and, you know – come here, stop, turn, walk, look this way, say your line, then exit frame right. Like the more you say stuff like that, they're like caught up in the whole mechanics of the scene and then they cease to, to be the great things about kids, which is, which we all love, which is, you know, like spontaneous and unpredictable and um, honest, you know? So that's the biggest thing, much more so than working with, with actors, uh, with um, adult actors, I should say as well. And also, you know, I shoot handheld with kids a little bit as well too, so that I can react to what they're doing. Yeah, um, yeah, and they kind of they show me what they're going to do, and then I I shoot it all in the, all in the interest of just trying to be as as honest as possible. Yeah, that's really. Well I think that's how you get the best out of kids. Yeah, yeah that's a great answer. Um, it, my, my my last question is, is I forgot to ask about this. The, so it's a selfish question. So I want to get mm-hmm. into still photography. You know, just just to practice. I feel like iPhones are great. You're currently using, I think, a Fuji uh, GFX. Is that what it is? Am I right? Oh yeah, I've got a, a yeah a GFX 50R. Yeah, which is like a medium format. Um, digital stills camera. Yeah, it's great. So what can, what can you recommend for a digital skills camera to somebody just getting out there or somebody, maybe somebody who wants, I don't, I don't want, I could never do your job. I'm not nearly as, I'm not even 1% as talented, but I do like <laughs> to take pictures. I have, I have, I have a daughter that I love, you know, we take family and stuff. What do you recommend as a oh, really cool. good entry level camera? Uh, look at the, look at the, um, the Fujifilm XT series. I've got a couple of those. I, I started out with the XT one. I think it's up to the XT three or four or something like that now, they're a really good all-round simple, um, small as well, um, uh, digital SLR. That's, yeah, and they're mirrorless now. You can get a lot of great fast lenses. Um, and they've also got some sort of film-style throwback uh, dials. So if you're interested in learning more about shutter speed and aperture settings and ASA settings and all that sort of stuff, it's a really good um, sort of semi-advanced camera that um, takes really good pictures. Well, I, I tell you that I'm looking – as soon as we're done, that's where I'm going to look. Uh, Lachlan, you re- you really are a wonderful human being. You're super talented at what you do. I cannot thank you enough for the time you've given me today. Oh, pleasure, mate. No, it's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time. 